Oh, man. I feel like really burdened for a lot of people in this room tonight. I don't, I don't really know what people walked in here with, but I feel, I feel like really heavy on my soul tonight. And I hope that you know that like I have interceded for you. I've prayed for you. I have fought for you. I've been on my hands and knees for you, praying for you this week. Uh, just believing that the Lord has a word for you and a very timely word. And, and I, I'm going to share a passage tonight um, that is a, it's a strong passage. And it's the words of Jesus. And it's pretty intense. <laughs> um, and I think that when Jesus speaks the, the, the red letters in the word, I think that we should listen. And this is Jesus talking to anybody who wants to follow him who wants to give their lives over to him. And Jesus, he says this, he says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And tonight, I wanna to take a moment just to talk about the cost of following Jesus. Because there's a cost to following Jesus. And, and if you've been a believer for a while, I hope that this is a strong reminder to you of what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're someone in here where you're seeking tonight, you're trying to figure out if this God thing is something that you're interested in, I want you to understand before you say yes to Jesus that there's a cost to following Jesus. But I believe we're gonna have a powerful night. Um, and I'm really expectant for tonight. So let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for tonight, God. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your life. God, I thank you for every person that came in here, Lord, whether they've been coming for a long time or, or whether they're, they're new, this is their first time, they're trying to figure out this whole God thing, Lord, that you created us uniquely, Lord, so you can speak to us uniquely. Lord, you know exactly what has happened in people's lives this week. You know exactly the anxiety that they might be feeling. You know exactly the relational, relational trauma that they've experienced this week. Uh, and Lord, you love them all the more for it. And Lord, you know exactly what they need to hear, Lord. So I pray that, uh, Lord, maybe you'll shout to them tonight, but maybe you'll whisper. But Lord, I pray that as you speak, Lord, we'll trust it. We'll be obedient to your word. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, hug someone's neck on the way down. Tell them you love them. Hey, just want to let you know, uh, we're having a baby girl. Yes. The prayers of a righteous man will prevail. <laughs> Prayed for a baby girl and the Lord gave me a baby girl. May 3rd. Come on, somebody. Come on. That's my beautiful pregnant wife who's leading worship, by the way. If you didn't know, she's awesome. Question for you. Have you ever given into something that you probably shouldn't have, but the temptation was so strong you just couldn't deny yourself? Everybody? everybody? Uh, in college, I had a friend... His name was Chad, and, and, and I, I played football with him in college, and, and Chad was like six foot two, six three, and about 300 pounds, okay? Chad was a big boy, and 
Chad decided that, you know, he, he wanted to lose a few LBs before the season started. So in the off season, he started uh, working out a little bit differently. He started eating healthier because he wanted to lose some weight. He wanted to get himself back to a healthier place. And so he put in line this, this whole uh, diet to try to get himself to lose his weight. Well, there was this one night, it was in the summer, and we go over to Chad's house for a movie. And we're sitting there, and we're like, hey, Chad, we're going to go to the Golden Arches and get some double cheeseburgers plain add mac sauce. Would you like anything? And, and Chad's like, no, I know exactly what I'm trying to accomplish. I have a goal in mind. I do not want a double cheeseburger. I'm trying to lose some weight. So like, okay, Chad, that's fine. So we go to McDonald's, and we get double cheeseburgers plain add mac. If you haven't done it, try it. You'll love it. All right. And we get back to that. We decide, we're like, you know what? I feel like Chad deserves a double cheeseburger playing Ad Max sauce. We're going to get Chad a double cheeseburger. And so we, we get him a double cheeseburger and we get back to the house and we put the cheeseburger right on the chair right next to Chad. And we're like, Chad, have this double cheeseburger. And he's like, guys, I got some vision of what I'm trying to accomplish. I know who I want to be. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. So like, all right, Chad, we're just going to leave it here. And we're like wafting over the smell a little bit. We're, we're just going to leave it here. And in case you want it, you can have it. He's like, I ain't going to have it. I know exactly what I want. I got vision for who I'm trying to be, what I'm trying to accomplish. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden about five minutes goes by. And Chad Lee lets out this giant scream. He says, I can't do it anymore. And he grabs a cheeseburger, unwraps it as fast as he can, and shoves the whole thing into his mouth. Come on, somebody. He couldn't do it. He caved, and then he ate some French fries after that, too. He went downhill. It was bad from there. He knew what he wanted. He had some vision for what he was trying to accomplish and who he wanted to be, but he could not deny his flesh. You see, in that moment, his desire for temporary pleasure outweighed his desire for his future gain. And I was thinking about it when it comes to believers and it comes to Christians. I believe that every single one of us, if you call yourself a believer, you desire a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Like, if you're in here, you desire it. Like, there's many people in here, you're a Christian, and you desire to be used by God. You desire to be obedient to God, to, to walk in his ways, to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. I would say that if you are a Christian in here, that you would say, that is who I am. I want to be that. I desperately desire to be that. However, oftentimes our desire to feed our flesh oftentimes outweighs our desire to feed our spirit, right? You, you ever feel this? Like, do you ever feel like you find yourself waging war with who you want to be versus who you're trying not to be? Come on, somebody, anybody. Like, you find yourself waging war. With, like, I know this is who I want to be. I have vision for who God calls me to be. I know the man or woman of God that I want to be, but I also find myself fighting all the things that I'm trying not to be. And I think that a lot of us find ourselves fighting our flesh and our spirit and going back and forth. And if you find yourself in that, it's, it's biblical. It's, it's in the Bible and it explains this. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. 
Peter said, divorce yourself from the evil desires that are waging war inside your soul, that your flesh and your spirit are at this constant battle every single day that you wake up, every decision that you go to make, that your flesh and your spirit are waging war against each other. See, I meet with a lot of 20-somethings. I have a lot of conversations with 20 something, whether in my office or on the phone or at coffee or here on a Thursday night. And here's something that a common theme that I find with a lot of young adults when they're trying to figure out life and struggling through life a, bit, a little bit, is that a lot of young adults that are believers, they love Jesus, but they also love things that aren't of Jesus. <laughs> right? Like, I really love Jesus. Like, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is good. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I love Jesus, but I also find myself really, really loving things that aren't of Jesus. We find our souls waging war constantly with our flesh and our spirit. And what ends up happening when we find ourselves in this way in this way is that many of us we expect godlike results but we want it our way. A lot of us want godlike results but we want it our way. We want the benefits of the spirit but we want it while gratifying the desires of our flesh. I want all the things that come with God. I want all the blessings, I want all the favor, I want all the promises, but I want it while gratifying the desires of my flesh. In other words, a lot of us look at a relationship with God that we want our cake and we want to eat it too. Our cake and we want to eat it too. And we wonder why we have so much tension in our lives. We, we, we wonder why we, we find ourselves being really confused in life. We wonder why we have a hard time hearing God's voice. We wonder why sometimes we have a difficult time going through life with some clarity. We wonder why we go through life really confused when it comes to our calling and our purpose and our relationships and our vocation and our future, what God is calling us to do and where God is calling us to go. Might I suggest that maybe one of the reasons you feel the things you feel is because you have lived this season of your, of your life in pursuit of your flesh and not in pursuit of God's spirit. You've wanted God-like results, but you've wanted it your way. God-like results, but I want it my way. Can I tell you something, though? I think that the, the longer that I've been a believer, I'm beginning to understand uh, the kingdom of God a little bit more. And, and, and what's, what's, what's important for you to know is that the kingdom of God, when it comes to the kingdom of God, it is not Burger King. Okay, you can't have it your way. Come on, somebody, listen. You, you can try. You can try to have it your way. You can constantly wrestle with God and try to have it your way and your timing the way that you want it to look. But the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom that operates completely different. You see, when Jesus in his teachings and the writers of the New Testament and Paul and James and John, when they use words to describe Christians and how Christians should act and live, they call us to things like surrender. They call us to words like trust and uh, giving up control, submission, denying to self, following sacrifice. See, Romans 12, 1, it says, Christian brothers and sisters. If you're in here, you have a relationship with God, you're a brother and sister. I ask you from my heart to give your bodies, to, to, to sacrifice, surrender your bodies to God because all that he has done for you. Not for what he's going to do for you, not what you hope he might do for you, but surrender yourself and sacrifice because of what he has already done for you. 
Let your body, your flesh, be a living and holy gift given to God. He is pleased with this kind of gift. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, we sacrifice and we submit to God as an act of worship for the good of God's kingdom. Let, 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 let me let you into something real quick. That being a Christian is not just a buzzword, okay? Being a Christian is not just some badge of honor. Being a Christian is not just some cool label now because Kanye does it, all right? I'm here for it, though. I love it. Being a Christian is surrendering and sacrificing your will, your mind, your body, and your soul. When you say yes to Jesus, you are surrendering and submitting your soul to him, and then day by day now you are surrendering your mind, your will, and your body, and your actions for his kingdom. That's what he calls us to. See, the scripture that I read earlier, Jesus is talking to his disciples and but people who potentially want to be disciples where we would read this 2,000 years later and he's writing this to you, he's writing this to me about what it means to follow him and be a disciple. And Jesus says, for those who want to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. For anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. The first thing he says is whoever wants to be my disciple. Jesus is saying, look, anybody who wants to be my disciple can be my disciple. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is completely inclusive. Okay, so it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done, what has happened to you. That anybody can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's good news, amen. Anybody can be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. But to be a disciple, when you say I'm a disciple of Jesus, what you're doing is you're recognizing who Jesus is and who you aren't. You're recognizing yourself as a sinner and Jesus as a savior. To, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're recognizing our need for him and recognizing that his way might just be wet better than your way, right? And so Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple. And I think at this point, 2,000 years ago, people are listening to this like, yeah, that's dope. I'd love to be Jesus' disciple. I see him heal people. People know his name. He gets to travel. He has all sorts of award points. Like He travels all over the place. Jesus gets first class. Jesus is pretty cool. I've heard some cool stories about him. And I think even for us, it's like, yeah, I think being Jesus' disciple would be awesome. It'd be fun to be Jesus' disciple. But Jesus says, okay, if you want to be my disciple, then first thing you got to do is deny yourself. They're like, I don't know about that. All fun and games until uh, you, you put some stuff to it. Some things that I had to do and some things that I had to think about a little bit, right? He says, deny yourself. Now, the word deny is a strong word. Deny means to forget about, to renounce, to reject. Jesus is saying, renounce, reject, forget about yourself. Deny yourself. And I think that this is hard for some of us to hear. Like maybe you came in here, you're like, man, this Jesus thing seems kind of cool. You're like, oh, not anymore. Right, this thought of denying yourself is difficult for us to, 
to hear and for us to comprehend just like it probably was 2,000 years ago. You know why? Because we live in a world where you don't have to deny yourself of anything, right? We live in a world, you don't have to deny yourself of sexual experiences. You don't have to deny yourself of any pleasures. You don't have to deny yourself of any substances, of any status. Look, you, you could will your way to enjoy anything in this life. You can work your way to make as much money as you possibly want and possibly can, so you don't have to deny yourself anything in this life. Look, it's your body. Do with it what you want. It's your life. Live it how you want. YOLO. Do you, boo. Don't make anybody tell you that you can't. You don't have to deny yourself. And I think Jesus is saying, look, that's fine. You don't have to deny yourself of anything. You can live your entire life and not deny yourself of anything. But if you want to be my disciple, you deny yourself. You want to be my disciple, you want to follow me, you want to begin to understand the rhythms of my life and the rhythms of my grace, you will deny yourself. You will let go of your own desires. You'll let go of your own dreams. You'll let go of the things that you want in the timing that you want them. You'll relinquish control. You'll let go of sinful pleasures. You will deny yourself of your wants, your desires, your ideals, whatever you think that life should be or how it should be. You deny yourself. You see, saying yes to the spirit means that you're denying yourself. If you say yes to yourself, what you're doing is you're denying the spirit, denying the spirit. Denying yourself, listen to this, is refusal to submit to selfishness. It's refusal to submit to your own self-interest and to your own self-fulfillment. Jesus says, look, if you want to be my disciple, you don't have to be. Ain't nobody making you do anything, right? You don't have to be my disciple, but if you want to be my disciple, you will deny yourself. And then the second thing he says is take up your cross. And then the other third of the people are like, See, Jesus, he's saying some pretty strong statements here. Saying, deny yourself. Don't think about your own interests and the things that that you want with this life and the way that you think that life should go. And then he says, take up your cross. You see, as Jesus spoke these words, everybody in this moment knew what Jesus meant. Okay, because in the first century, in the Roman world, before a man died on a cross, he had to first carry his cross to a place of execution, okay? So when the Romans crucified a criminal, before they hung them on a cross, they hung a cross on them. So someone would be convicted of a crime, be sentenced to death by crucifixion, and they would, before they would crucify them, they would hang the cross on them, and that person would have to carry their cross to the place of their crucifixion, just like Jesus Christ did to carry their cross to crucifixion. You see, carrying a cross always meant death on a cross. Carrying a cross was never fun. Kids weren't walking around in the first century like, yo, take up my cross, it's bigger than yours, hey. I practiced that, I thought it would be funny. (laughs) 
Carrying a cross was, was never just for fun. Look, if someone took up a cross, he never came back. It was a one-way journey to his death. Can I tell you something? When you say yes to Jesus Christ, it is a one-way journey to dying to yourself. It's a one-way journey. It was meant to be a one-way journey. It was never meant to say yes to Jesus and pick up our cross and towards crucifying all the things in our life and the things of our flesh and then going back and forth. It was meant to be a one-way journey, never turning back. Saying that from here on out, I choose to do life the way that God calls me to do life, no matter what, no matter what he says, no matter when he says it. Listen, Jesus, he may deny yourself equal with take up your cross. It's expressing the same idea. The cross wasn't about self-promotion or self-affirmation. It was about self-denial. And Jesus says that a follower of me must take up his cross daily. Now, what he's saying here is not, not physically take up your cross. Right? Does anybody have a physical cross except around your neck? No, you don't. Okay. He's not saying physically take up your cross. He's saying spiritually take up your cross daily. Taking up your cross daily means that you are daily crucifying the sinful lusts and passions that like rage within your soul. Crucifying yourself daily or carrying your cross daily means that you're crucifying daily your own wants and desires. It's this intentional rejection of self-interest and self-fulfillment. It is self-denial. It says this in Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. That is in him I have shared with his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That I am by faith adhering to, recognizing, and completely relying on and trusting him with my life. As Christ has been crucified, I've been crucified with him. Listen, taking up your cross is putting your hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. Following Jesus in its simplest of form is this. Jesus carried a cross, so you got to carry a cross. Jesus walked his way to self-death, so must a believer. So Jesus says to these people in this moment, as he's speaking to you, he says, look, whoever wants to be my disciple, again, you don't have to. No worries if you don't want to. You don't have to be my disciple, but if you want to, you have to deny yourself and then take up your cross daily. And then the third thing that he says is, follow me. Follow me. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus would have these interactions with, with people where Jesus would call somebody to follow him or people would come up to Jesus and say, let me follow you. <clears throat> and every person that had this kind of interaction with Jesus was met with a decision to make. Either I leave everything behind and I follow Jesus, or I don't follow Jesus, and I keep the life that I have. Go, go read for yourself. Every person that has an interaction with Jesus that says, I want to follow you, or Jesus is like, yo, come follow me, is met with a decision where I either have to follow Jesus and leave everything behind or not follow Jesus and keep the life that I have. You know why? Because with Jesus, there's no in-between. With Jesus, there's no in-between. 
Now you can try. You, you, you could try to follow Jesus without giving up everything, but you know what? Everything that you don't give up, that God calls you to give up, you will feel tension in that area until you give it up to him. Like, if God's been calling you to give up the relationship and you haven't been, you're gonna feel tension in that relationship until you do. If God's been calling you to give up some areas in your finances and you refuse to, you're gonna feel tension in your finances until you choose to do it God's way. He says give up everything. Being a follower of Christ is, is, is following him with everything, not just little parts of your life. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords here, right? The, 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 the God who, who went to the cross for you. Okay, like he's not asking for parts of your life, he's asking for all of your life. Listen, God is saying, follow me with your dreams. Follow me with your passions. Follow me with your finances. Follow me with your relationships. Follow me with your career. However, I think that many Christians, I think that they say that they follow God, but in reality, most Christians operate like this. Hey, Jesus, follow me. Jesus, follow me. Think about it for a moment. Just think about your prayers. Oftentimes, it's like, hey, Jesus, here's like the career that I want. Here's the college that I want to go to. Here's the kind of person that I want to date and hopefully marry. Here's the kind of kids that I want. Lord, here's the kind of things, and here's all the things that I don't want, all right? Here's all the things that I want. Here's all the things that I don't want. Jesus, would you come along for this journey? And I promise you, come along with this journey. I promise to make your name great. I promise to make you famous because Jesus says, I increase, you increase. Jesus like, psych? I called you to decrease. Listen, let me tell you something. It's important. Someone much wiser than me told me this. Jesus serves everyone, but he follows no one. Come on. Jesus will serve you. Jesus will love you. Jesus serves everyone. He will love everyone, but he follows no one. He follows no man. He follows no woman. Listen, Jesus is not looking to be just some tag along in your life. Jesus not, isn't just looking to be sprinkled into your life. But how many times do we operate that, how we pray to Jesus, like, Jesus, man, if you would just only do this, like, I promise, Jesus. He's like, no, no, no. You, you want to be a follower of me, then I call the shots. You want to be a follower of me, then you do it my way in my timing. You do this thing my way. You see, this isn't God-like results your way. This is God-like results his way. This is following him whenever, wherever, however. You feel tension in your life? You feel tension when you sit in a room like this? You feel tension when you, every time you open up your word? Do you feel tension every time that, that, that you pray? It's because the Holy Spirit who's inside of you is challenging you and convicting you and saying, hey, there are areas in your life that you are refusing to follow Jesus with. And until you choose that, you're gonna keep on this tension in your life. Listen, Jesus may not ask you to leave everything, I believe that, that Jesus wants to give us the desires of our heart. Jesus may not come into your life and say, all right, all this, gone. Maybe, but what God wants to do is reserve the right that when he calls you to it, you are obedient to the calling of your father. You can't follow Jesus without denying yourself. You can't follow Jesus without picking up your cross daily. Luke 9, 23, a different version says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Let me say it again. 
Jesus saying to you and to me, you're not in the driver's seat, I am. Jesus, take the wheel. Someone's got to say it, right? Jesus, take the wheel. Look, some of y'all have been like driving along in your life and, and you're driving down Wadsworth and you see Jesus in a time where you're like, I'm running out of gas. You're like, yo, Jesus, you want to get in? <clears throat> Look, some of y'all, it's about time where you let Jesus into the driver's seat of your life and you get back in the seat and you let him Uber you around and take you where he wants to take you in the timing that he wants to. And you might get stuck in traffic, but at least he's in the driver's seat. Let him lead. Get him back in the driver's seat. Because how has life been working out for you with you in the driver's seat, with you controlling every last thing about your life? Not great. Me either. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Whoever wants to save their life will give God control. Whoever wants to lose their life will hold on to control. Hold on to control. Some of y'all, when it comes to your relationship with God, you're just mm, <laughs> holding on to that steering wheel like I ain't letting go. Relationship with God is denying yourself, taking up your cross, relinquishing control, saying, God, you're in the driver's seat, and I trust you wherever you go. Wherever you take me, I'm not going to fight you on it. So Jesus is saying, look, you don't have to do this. You, you could live your whole life not denying your flesh at all. Try it. Do what you got to do. But Jesus like does this, this like mic drop moment that I think is just such a powerful, where we, we skip over. He says, after he says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? Other versions say soul there. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their soul? You know what I think is one of the biggest struggles with, with, with believers and Christians, and I've realized this a lot about myself, is that we have more fear of missing out, more FOMO on what the world has to offer than FOMO on what God might have to offer. Come on, we fear a lot of what we might miss out on when it comes to the world. Rarely do we have a bunch of FOMO when it comes to missing out on what God might have for our lives. You know why? I, I, was, I was talking with a guy last week at, at the men's night and he said something so profound, which I didn't tell him I was gonna take it, but if you're in here, sorry. We're talking about this thought. And he says, you know why? that it's so much easier to have FOMO when it comes to the rest of the world, not with God, is because the world advertises it to you. Like the world is constantly advertising to you what your life could look like if you engage with your flesh, if you engage with the rest of the world. It advertises it to you every single day. Your friends at work, the people that you engage with, you're constantly seeing what life will be like if you miss out on the opportunities of this world. It's hard to deny our flesh. We know what leaning into our flesh might provide. It provides like pleasures of the world. It provides a certain lifestyle. It provides like moments that are, that are so satisfying and fulfilling in the moment. When it comes to God, you don't get that. Oftentimes you don't get it. You, 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 don't, you don't always completely understand what you might miss out on if you say yes to, if you say no to God. 
Listen, you gotta understand something that was, was difficult with the relationship with God is that Jesus didn't say, hey, look, if you deny yourself, if you pick up your cross and you do things my way, then this is X, Y, and Z, what's gonna happen in your life? Jesus didn't say, look, if you do this, you do that. Look, I guarantee these are all the amazing things that are gonna happen to you. Wouldn't it be cool if God was like, look, if you just stop that relationship, if you just like give me control of your finances, then I promise you, I'll show you exactly what she's gonna look like and in the house that you're gonna live in and it's gonna be great. All you gotta do is just do things my way. No, no, a relationship with God is about faith. Listen, go back to that, to that Galatians. We, we, we don't always know by doing things God's way how it's gonna turn out, but it says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God. Listen, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Listen, when it comes to God, you can either have faith or you can have control, but you cannot have both. You have faith or control, but you can't have both. In the world, you can have control, but you can't have faith in the world. You can control and manipulate the world, but you can't have faith in a relationship with God. It's saying, look, I don't, I don't know if I do this your way. I don't know what my life will look like. Listen, you, you, you may not know steps three, four, and five until you take steps one and two. You may not know what God is trying to do in your life until you adhere to him and you completely trust him with your life. But at some point, we have to choose to have a little bit of FOMO. If I don't do things God's way, what might I miss out on? If I don't do things God's way, but what, what might I miss out on? First John 2.15, it says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from this world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does not do the will of God, or whoever does the will of God, abides forever. The world is passing away. We put a lot of faith, a lot of hope, a lot of energy, a lot of resources into the world, but our world is slowly fading away. That substance may be great for a moment, but it's fading away. That certain relationship may be great for a moment, but it's fading away. What have you chose to put your faith in in this season of life? Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple will deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What good is it to gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? Ben, you can come on up. I've really been wrestling with this a lot. In my own life, my own personal life, and I feel like the Lord has been like speaking to me for a while on, on a lot of things in my life. And I think that the more mature that I get in my faith, I've, I've been doing a study on, uh, on the New Testament. And I've just been going through all like the letters of Paul's and in, 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 in the life of Jesus. And I've just been really trying to, to understand and grasp what it means to be a believer, what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that the more mature in my faith that I get, the more that this just reigns true, that there is just a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to following Jesus. And it costs you your life. 
Like if, if you're someone in here and you're trying to figure out if, if you, if you want to do this whole God thing, can, can I tell you that, 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 that God loves you and that God wants a relationship with you, but, but, but this isn't just some like cool thing that we do. Like this, this is us trusting God with our entire life, saying, God, I'm going to do it your way. And can, can I just tell you that just because you deny your flesh, like people are already thinking about things in here like, okay, I know God's been calling me to do that. I think that we just think that because I deny my flesh or because I do things God's way that all these like amazing blessings are gonna come upon my life. And that's just not always the case. You know why? Because that, that, that's like works-based. That, that's legalism. That, that's saying like, okay, God, if I do this, then you're going to do that. God, God, God doesn't say like, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. We, we deny ourselves and we pick up our cross and we follow him because of what he has done for us. Out of, out of our act of worship to him. Out of our goal to, to further the kingdom of God. Listen, can I tell you something? That, that denying your flesh hurts. You know why? Because you're humbling yourself. And humility hurts. If it doesn't hurt, it's not humility. It's pride cloaked in humility. Denying yourself hurts because you're humbling yourself. But all throughout Scripture, those who humble themselves, I will exalt. Those who exalt themselves, I will humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, I will raise you up. Denying your flesh, humbling yourself. You see, the, the most beautiful story, I believe, of, of Jesus, other than him going to the cross, was right before he went to the cross when he was in the garden. Jesus was in, was in the garden with a couple of his, of his boys, and it was the night that he was betrayed. And Jesus is praying to God. And he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's about to go to the cross and die a horrible death. And it says that he is so overwhelmed with anguish and sorrow that he's literally sweating blood. And he's praying to God and he's saying, God, please take this cup from me. Take this from me. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I can do this thing your way. I know that you have called me to go to the cross and pay the ransom for the sin that these people cannot pay. But in the same breath, he says, yet yeah, it is not my will, but it's your will. Can I tell you that your Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, that he modeled what this meant to deny yourself, to deny your flesh, and say yes to the will of God. And you know what? Jesus still had to carry his cross. Jesus still had to humble himself and be hung up on a tree. But can I tell you that three days later, our Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And because of what Jesus did now, any of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ can have an experience and a life change forever, not only on this earth, but for eternity. Listen, I don't know what your life will look like in the moment when you deny your flesh, you say yes to God's will. But we can look at Jesus' life when he said yes to God's will, he had to still carry his cross, 
humble himself and still get hung up on a tree. So I don't know what your life might look like, but I promise, look, being a believer is not easier, but it's better. It's not easier. The rest of the world gets to do whatever the heck they want. You don't. You're submitting yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ and saying, your will be done. I feel like God has been challenging me with that and pushing me on that. I, I've been feeling for the past couple years that, that God has been saying, hey, Andrew, I don't want you to have any more drinks of alcohol. I didn't have an issue with it, but I have a couple drinks here and there. And for a few years, I felt like God was like challenging me, pushing me, the Holy Spirit was like, I'm calling you to deny yourself of this. And about four months ago, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna do this thing God's way. And I said, I'm, I'm gonna take a whole year long break from it. And I, I, I say that to say that like, Every single one of us has our stuff. I probably shouldn't even share that with you, but you know what, it's good for you to know. Look, I still have stuff in myself that God's like convicting me of and challenging me of. And so look, there are things in your life that God is calling to say, you know what, I'm not gonna do this my way anymore, I'm gonna do it your way. And see what God begins to do and see how God begins to challenge and change your heart and your life and your perspective and see what begins to happen. Let me pray for you, Lord, I thank you for everybody in this place. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. Lord, I know that you're, uh, you're challenging hearts with heads bowed and eyes closed. You're in here and you're saying, look, Andrew, I know that God has been calling me to like deny myself and, and pick up my cross in multiple areas of my life. But that's you, would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah, a whole bunch of us, a whole bunch of us. You can put your hand down. Second question is this, is that you're in here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you know like your chest, your heart is like beating out of your chest and you know that he's calling you to a relationship with him. And you're saying, you know what? I've been living the way of the world my entire life and it has returned void for me. But I wanna trust this Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand if you wanna start a relationship with Jesus Christ so I can pray for you? Praise Jesus, I see you, bro. Amen, I see you in the back. Amen, amen, you can put your hands down. If that's you in here, just begin to pray to God maybe for the first time. Tell him, God, I trust you. I wanna give you my life, forgive me of my sins. Just begin to pray to him in your own way. Lord God, we love you. We trust you. We give this all to you. Everybody says, amen. Young adults, let's worship.